Did perimenopause or menopause catch you off guard? Weird symptoms appearing from nowhere? Wondering who is this person who's inhabiting your body? And most of all, having no one to talk to about it? It happened to me, too. And with all the chaos that it was causing me, I knew I had to figure it out. I dug in, reading often outdated books and searching obscure references on the internet. I learned how our shifting reproductive hormones mess with every cell in our bodies. And as I realized how complete this hormonal disruption was, I became determined to help other women understand and control their own menopause journey. Because menopause matters. And here, we talk about all things menopause. I'm your host, Jean Andrus, and this is Menopause Matters, the podcast. Hey, everybody, this is Jean Andrus, the menopause guru, and this is Menopause Matters, the podcast where we talk all things menopause. And today I have with me Sue Thomas. Sue is the sugar-free coach, empowering women to break their addiction to sugar, manage their hormones, sleep better, and going from feeling up from feeling fed up to fabulous and from whatever to wonderful. Sue, welcome. It is so nice to have you here. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to chat to you. I am super excited to to chat about this topic because sugar addiction is one of the things that just drives me nuts about myself. Mm. And I'm still working on a round of sugar, getting myself sugar-free. So I am super excited to hear any suggestions and tips that you have to offer. But first, I'm going to ask you, how did you get here? How did you get into this particular coaching speciality? Focusing on sugar. So I've been in the wellness industry for 20 years. I used to be a personal trainer. I'm now a nutritional therapist. And it was in 2007, I had um, a knee infection that was really quite a bad knee infection and ended up on about 25 days of antibiotics, which completely wiped out my gut bacteria. And fast forward four years, um, I was exhausted all the time. I was eating rubbish to try and keep myself energized for my clients. I wasn't present for my clients. I wasn't present for my children and my family. And I was just really struggling on a day-to-day basis. And I realized that actually I needed to do something to take back control of my health because I wasn't walking the talk for my clients at all. And so I devised a bit of a program for myself that involved me removing 90% of the sugar, but also removing a lot of the kind of beige carbohydrates. The carbohydrates we've been told are kind of complex carbohydrates, and actually they're just processed carbohydrates. Um, You know, the pasta, the bread, all that kind of thing. And, And at the time I was like, how am I ever going to have enough energy for the afternoon to train my clients when I, if I'm not eating bread at lunchtime? But I was blown away by how much more energy I had by removing the kind of beige carbohydrates at lunchtime. And as over the, the course of the next nine months to a year, I really started to, I started to heal my gut health. I started to improve my energy levels. And I just really began to accelerate my well-being so that I could become, again, that person that I was walking the talk. And so as a result of creating this program for me, this was about 2013, I decided that actually what I needed to do and had always worked with when I was when I had my children, I was working with mums around fertility. I was personal training mums um, and I was running buggy classes and stuff. And then I moved on to women in midlife and then on to menopause kind of thing. And so 
And I'd worked with this same sort of group of clients all the way through their kind of life cycle, if you like. And I actually thought, you know, what I need to do now is to become a nutritional therapist rather than the personal training side of things, because I can see that I can help my clients in a much bigger way by really focusing on their nutrition. And so I requalified as a nutritional therapist. I turned the program that I followed for myself into a program for my clients to follow. And that largely focused on the removal of sugar, because when we remove sugar, and I, like I said, I'm 90% sugar free. I'm not 100% sugar free. And I'm honest about that because I do like a bar of chocolate every now and again. You know, I do like to have a piece of cake. It's coming up to that time of year where I might find myself, it may be having a little bit more and relaxing a little bit more around the food that I'm, I'm choosing. And so I try to keep the program that I run for my clients really human and really easy to follow. I'm a busy, self-employed mum. I don't want to be creating difficult programs for myself and I don't expect my clients to follow that. And so I've I kind of this realized that the first place to start is to really remove as much sugar from our diet as I can as we can. And when we remove sugar from our diet, that is empowering because we get our blood sugars really nicely balanced and that has a knock-on effect to our hormones and our perhaps menopause symptoms. It has a knock-on effect to our sleep and our ability to be able to get much more restorative sleep, much better restorative sleep. And it also has a knock-on effect to how we feel in our clothes, which as women, you know, as we go through our perimenopause and menopause years, and we might put that little bit of midlife middle on, it makes us feel, it makes us feel like our confidence isn't where it should be. We don't feel confident in our clothes anymore and stuff. And I I really want to empower women to understand that actually some really simple steps that you can take can make a massive difference to how you feel in your clothes on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. So <clears throat> you sound like you, you have a very similar philosophy towards sugar that I have. I've sort of fallen off of the lifestyle that makes me feel the best over the past, I don't know, two years. And I know it's really difficult. And I know that one of the things, let's talk for a minute about how much sugar is in our diets and where the sugar is coming from that we don't know about. So let's talk a little bit about hidden sugars and... Yeah, so so I mean, the food industry is very good at disguising sugar because sugar is a is a it creates things it makes things shelf stable basically so they will put sugar into foods to give them a longer shelf life but they will convince us that they're healthy and the reason for this is they they focus in on the calorie perspective so one gram of carbohydrate or sugar if you like has only four calories in it whereas one gram of fat has nine calories in it. So if they focus in on the calorie counting element of our well-being, they can put more into more sugar and more carbohydrate into certain foods to give it shelf stability. And they remove the fat. But if you remove a food group, you've got to put in something else to kind of give it flavor. So you know, you take a low fat yogurt, for example, we've been told for years that low fat, that's what we need to eat. But if you go low fat, you're going high sugar. Because they will add sugar to make it, to give it shelf stability and to give it some flavor. And actually for women, particularly in menopause, the last thing we need is unstable blood sugars. Our sugar is released. Our body functions on glucose. And glucose comes from any... Let me me add a little something (laughs) there. One of the primary fuels of the body is sugar. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not necessary. And because you can operate just as well 
on fat and ketones. So yes. I, I just want to make sure that that's Let's out there. Let's put that into the right context. So the body functions on glucose, okay? Glucose, the primary source of glucose is carbohydrate. You've got a spectrum of carbohydrate from greens, reds and oranges, fibrous vegetables, fruits, then beige carbohydrate, bread, pasta, rice, and white carbohydrate, refined sugar, basically. And that is how your body accesses glucose in the easiest way. But the body also stores glucose as glycogen in the liver or in the muscles. So if we ever have a period of time when we don't have enough glucose, we can access it from our stores. But also we can convert protein and fats into a fuel source. So it's about understanding the body obviously functions on glucose. And we it's we we get you know our primary fuel source is always going to come from the easily accessible source, which is carbohydrate. Okay, so if someone says they're on a carb-free diet, but they're eating fruits and vegetables, that's not carb-free because carbs are fruits and vegetables. Uh, it's really only the processed carbohydrates, the beige and the whites, that really mess up our blood sugar levels. So if we're consuming beige or white carbohydrate to get our energy, like I was when I was personal training and I was eating sandwiches at lunchtime, that causes a release of sugars into our bloodstream really quickly because it's the fastest way to access glucose. And that results in insulin being released that spikes in our bloodstream. It, a rush of insulin is released to pick up the sugars to take them to the cells for energy production. And if we don't use, if the cells don't need the sugar for energy production or the glucose for energy production, the insulin will either take the glucose to the cell, to the muscles to store them or primarily to the liver. Now if the liver then is having to store tons of glycogen which is what it's what glucose is converted to when it when it goes to the liver in menopause our liver is really important. We need our liver working efficiently to manage the changes in our hormones. Now if we're overloading our liver with all this excess glucose or this glycogen which is what it's converted to it becomes sluggish. It's known as a sluggish liver. And the signs of a sluggish liver are poor sleep at night between one and three usually because that's when the liver would work at its hardest. Feelings of overwhelm and a bit kind of like can't function on a day-to-day -day basis, brain fog and a lack of motivation. And all of those are symptoms of menopause. So if we want to be able to manage our menopause symptoms more effectively, we've got to give our liver some love, which means we need to get our blood sugars balanced so that the insulin is not taking excess glucose to the liver to store it as glycogen. It's, it's, it's really there. But I haven't answered the question properly, which was, where is his sugar hidden? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all. The science of this is so much fun when you get into it. I, it really, and I want to mention one more thing that insulin does with that sugar. If it can't find muscles and if your liver is overloaded, it takes that blood sugar and it takes it straight to the fat cells. And if the fat yeah. cells you've already got are overloaded, it makes more of them. And this yeah. is where where we deal with fat, on, especially around our middle. Yeah. Um, that's especially true after during perimenopause and postmenopause. It goes into our middle because that's where it wants to stay. And then there's a whole range of other things that are contributing to the problem. Yeah. 
like cortisol, but we're not hmm. going to do cortisol right hmm. now. We're going to stick with, That's stick all with sugar cost. and insulin. <laughs> yeah. um, the science, like I said, gets really complex. It's one of the reasons I write the books that I write to help people understand how the science is getting in there. So we know that if you look at, I'm not sure you're in Britain. I, I'm not sure how your labeling goes, but if you are in the States, all of our foods that are processed uh, in any way, packaged in any way, must be labeled. And they must mm -hmm. be labeled with their mm -hmm. ingredients. Yeah. And the ingredients have to be in order of their appearance, the amount. percentage of, yeah. yeah, thank you, the mm -hmm. amount that they are in the food. And so if you see sugar as one of the top two or three ingredients, it means it has a lot. A lot mm. of sugar. I was going to mm. use another word, but I'm going to try and keep this episode away from the explicit <laughs> category. Um, and so what we're talking about is if it has sugar in there, you know, not this is not going to be a mm. food that you want to eat a lot of. But the food industry is incredibly tricky. And let's go with where are the hidden sugars? Yeah. So if you look at your label, and it says carbohydrate, of which sugars, you don't want any more than six grams per 100 grams of sugars, okay? Anything more than six grams per 100 grams is going to be added sugar. The food industry are very clever and put per portion. So often it will be 30 grams is per portion. And it might say five grams of sugar per, but you, you have to look at the top to see that it says per portion. Well, if, if it's per portion at 30 and you've got five grams in there, you're going to be having 16, 17 grams of sugar per 100 grams. Mm -hmm. So you have to get a little bit wise when you're reading those labels to see whether there is hidden sugar in there. And the then other you've thing got, about, let me go on. Yeah. The other thing about hidden sugar, there are more than, I, I don't, again, Britain may be different, but there are over 50 names of sugar. Yeah, yeah. On the labels, anything that ends in the letters O-S-E is yeah. going to be a sugar. Maple syrup is a sugar. Brown mm. sugar, turbinado sugar. We're not talking about, they're all sugars and they yeah. all have this effect on you. Totally. So one of the things I will do, um, I have a list of the 50 names for sugar. It's sort of like 50 shades of gray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 50 shades of white. <laughs> and I will make sure that that is available to you in the show notes. So you can get that 50 list of over 50 names yeah. of sugar. And, and then you also have to add in as well, sweeteners, artificial sweeteners. They will add artificial sweeteners in order to keep the sugar content down. But we still have an insulin response. If we eat something, the psychological response is still the same. We The message is sent to the brain that sends a message to the pancreas to say, something is sweet is coming we need to we need to start producing insulin so we, we we can still have that response in relation to sort of artificial sweetness artificial sweetness can't be processed by the body so we put even more pressure on the liver and so the liver is then working overtime with storing all these artificial sweetness as well and Correct. like you said you know all these hidden sugars high fructose corn syrup oh that, yeah that's the one <laughs> yeah yeah all of these things are, are, are sugar uh, even like coconut sugar, that they, they will make you think that coconut sugar is is healthy and okay. It, of all of the sugars, it might be slightly better, but it's still going to have an insulin response. 
And the insulin is what we need to get under control because insulin is the dominant hormone that impacts. It causes a stress internally. It causes the release of cortisol. Cortisol is a dominant hormone that impacts estrogen and progesterone production, which if you're going through your menopause years, you want to be producing that in abundance if you can, rather than it's being stolen by cortisol. So you've got all these things going on that sugar is just, you know, if you've got sugar in the middle, you've got this spider diagram going on, basically, of all these other symptoms that happen as a result of when we eat sugar, we have high insulin. When insulin is high, that impacts our sleep, our liver function, our hormone balance, our brain fog, you know, all of these things that we experience as we go through menopause are being influenced by our insulin levels. Absolutely. Let's talk about fruit a little bit, because I think people think that fruit is just the healthiest thing they can eat. And so they're, they're going after fruit as a replacement for cookies or a piece of cake or a piece of pie, or they think Mm -hmm. that pie is somehow healthy because it started with a apple or a cherry yeah so fruit you want to you really if you're using fruit to snack on you don't want to be snacking on well if you need to snack you don't want to be snacking on fruit because if you start snacking on an empty stomach and you're having fruit you are still going to have an insulin response to that Mm. fruit if you really don't want to snack on anything savory so I mean I would say to my clients have some protein and maybe carrot sticks or pepper or what have you so you might have some hummus with some pepper or you might have some some um, carrot sticks and something else cream cheese or something like that if you'd really don't want to snack on savory and you do want to snack on 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 fruit because that's where you are at that moment in time you feel like you need something sweet and you'd you'd rather eat the fruit than the chocolate bar kind of thing then make sure you're having it with some protein so you know if you're having an apple have it with some peanut butter for example the protein will slow the release of the glucose down in your bloodstream but try where possible if you're going to have fruit to have it after you've eaten a main meal, because that again will slow the release of those sugars down. Now, the one thing we should say about fruit is that fruit has contains substances called antioxidants. Now, when the body goes through a process to metabolize the glucose and access the glucose from the food we're eating, it releases um, byproducts that can be quite harmful to the body and can start to create inflammation internally. And if we're eating fruit, um, and they, that fruit contains antioxidants, which neutralize those byproducts and stop those byproducts from attacking the body. If we're getting all our, uh, you know, our carbohydrate, our glucose from chocolate, for example, that's what we're snacking on. Chocolate doesn't have those antioxidants. So you still produce these byproducts, but you can't neutralize them because you haven't got the antioxidants. And then as a result, those byproducts will start to attack healthy tissue and they start to heat up the body and start to create inflammation internally, which can lead to things like, you know, joint pain, you know, further brain fog, maybe a a compromised immunity, that kind of thing. And that, again, all the symptoms of menopause, a lot of joint pain is part of them, you know, can be a symptom of menopause. If we can remove our sugar, the chocolate and replace it with fruit, for sure, we've got the antioxidants in to be able to reduce that inflammation. And if we add, add a little bit of protein in there, that slows the the sugars from fruit down as well. So fruit's certainly not off limits, but it's how you eat it that makes a difference. Right. Let me let me mention that chocolate is also not off limits, but yeah, exactly. The more the higher percentage of the cacao, yeah, in the chocolate, 
the better it will be for you because that's actually telling you how much chocolate to sugar ratio it is. So if you're eating 85% chocolate or even 70% chocolate, that's going to be a lot better for you. Milk chocolate is is the pits and white chocolate is the worst because it doesn't even have any. And there are actually really good stuff inside the cacao that, that are very good nutrients for your body and and also for your brain. So I I don't like to demonize chocolate, partly because I am. (laughs) I think it's important not to demonize anything because your chimp brain will go, well, we can't have that. So actually we want it. So you'll crave it even more. I think it's important to put yourself in a position to say, do I choose to eat this or do I choose to not eat it? And one of the things I use with my clients is I say, choose your uncomfortable. Are you uncomfortable saying no to the sugar in this moment? Or are you comfortable with being uncomfortable in your genes long term? And that's a really useful tool to use to go, actually, it's going to be uncomfortable to say no to that sugar right in this moment. But I know if I say no to it long term, I'm going to feel so much better. Okay, so... Sue offers a seven-day sugar-free challenge. Seven-day free. <laughs> free I, I was sitting there. Is it twenty-one or tw- or seven? <laughs> a seven-day sugar-free challenge. And I don't know if you have your next one scheduled for sometime in March. I, I yeah, I do. The best place, the best thing to do is to check my website, um, thesugarfreecoach.com. Okay, so thesugarfreecoach.com will have the upcoming. Um, time of that and I will actually try and go out check just before we publish this we are recording early in December so I will go out and check the sugar-free coach and put it in the show notes when that next challenge is if it is on the the website but do check out Sue's website and what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break and then Sue is going to come back with her best tip for ditching sugar when you're a menopausal woman, because sometimes it can be really difficult to just get rid of that sugar out of your life, even down to that 90% sugar free. And then we're going to do my favorite part of the part of the show, which is what, why we're smiling. So hang with us for just a few seconds and we'll be right back. Are you running on empty? Do you wake up in the morning feeling like you're done for the day before you even get out of bed? Menopause can do that to you. The changes in menopause echo throughout your body, causing symptoms like depression, anger, GERD, weight gain, insomnia, and fatigue. The symptoms can last for decades. I've helped hundreds of women get better sleep, wake up full of energy that lasts the whole day, and ditch all the other symptoms that were dragging them down. I'd like to offer you a free consultation with me to find out how you can take control of your menopause journey and feel better now. You can schedule your time to talk at menopause.guru slash consult. Hi, we're back with Sue Thomas, the sugar-free coach. And right now I'm going to ask Sue, what is your best tip? for starting this sugar-free journey. I'm going to change it up just a little bit because I'm thinking that most of our listeners are sitting here saying, but I can't do this. It's just too hard. So give us your best tip. So the best tip is to focus on the first thing you eat. 
in the day. So first thing in the morning, your stomach is full of hydrochloric acid. Okay, hydrochloric acid is is designed to break down protein. It's not designed to break down carbohydrate. So if you are having toast or cereal for breakfast, that is going to cause your the the glucose in that carbohydrate to be broken down really quickly and to release sugars into your bloodstream really quickly, which means you'll have an insulin spike. And let's say you're eating at eight o'clock in the morning, you'll have an insulin spike, you'll then have an insulin crash, because the sugars aren't being used necessarily, the insulin is taking the sugars to the liver. And at 1030, you'll be hungry. So that's when you start, the brain goes, I need some more glucose. And that is when you start to reach for the sugary foods, maybe the biscuit or what have you. And the same thing happens again, you have a a sugar spike, and a sugar crash, and you reach for more glucose. Uh, and so we we end up on a blood sugar roller coaster throughout the course of the day. And it makes it really hard to, con- to control your cravings. Really? If you, if you switch up your breakfast to be a more protein-based breakfast, so, you know, even if it's a smoothie, a protein-based smoothie, or it could be two boiled eggs or an omelet or something that is protein-based with spinach and uh, avocado or something like that that is going to the protein is going to be broken down in the in the hydrochloric acid much more slowly and so you will release the sugars or the glucose into your bloodstream in a lot a lot more slowly so you don't have that huge insulin spike and that huge insulin crash you have a really steady release of insulin through the course of the morning you should be able to go from the first thing you eat for another four hours before you need to eat again If you are finding you're hungry within two and a half hours, what you ate didn't work for your insulin levels. It spiked your insulin and crashed. So my top tip would be really get to grips with your breakfast. Find the breakfast that works for you because not everybody's the same. Some people can eat one thing and it keeps them going all morning. Some people can eat the same thing and they're hungry by half past 10. So you've got to find the breakfast that works for you. And it should be keeping you going for four hours, but you should be able to go from that first thing that you've eaten, it doesn't have to be breakfast. It could, for some people, it's brunch. You know, it's, it depends on when someone first eats. You should be able to go for four hours without needing to snack on anything. And if you can do that, then you've initially started to balance your blood sugars. And that will start to naturally remove the need for cravings, the, the need for sugar. You, your cravings start to come under control. You make a better choice at the next meal time. Uh, and that keeps your blood sugars balanced and then a better, better choice at the next meal time. Uh, I want to mention one thing because the low fat crowd has gotten us terrified of egg yolks mm, mm. and egg yolks are where all the nutrition in an yeah. egg is. An egg white is just something Fluff. that's sort of, <laughs> <laughs> so don't be afraid of the, the egg yolks. The fat in them is not is not a danger to you, especially when you're going with 90% sugar free. Yeah. Also yeah. the cholesterol in egg yolks. Let's we I could do a whole show on, on cholesterol sometime, <laughs> but we're not gonna go there. But the cholesterol in the food you eat is not generally translated into blood cholesterol. So don't be afraid of those egg yolks. Have yourself mm-hmm. an omelet in the morning. That's my favorite. Breakfast is an omelet, no potatoes, no bread. It's easy. Exactly. Yeah. It's and really easy. Be... And you can you can throw all the veggies, you can throw yeah. all the all the bacon, all the sausage yeah. that you want in it. It's really a good choice. So, Sue, we're gonna start with you. One thing making you smile today. 
Uh, so it's really cold here at the minute. And this morning I walked the dogs as the sun was rising and the moon was still up and the sky was totally clear. The ground was, well, we've had some snow. It has melted a bit, but it was really frosty, really icy. And it was just a magical space to be in. I was completely on my own in a field that is two miles round, completely on my own. It was a heavenly space to be in. It was meditative. It was just such a great way to start the day. So that has left me smiling all day. That sounds wonderful. And for me, I am in New England in northern Vermont for a couple of weeks here before Christmas with my grandkids. And I am having the best time. It has snowed twice. Being a Louisiana girl who actually came from way more cold climates, it's just so much fun to mm. be in the snow and be in the snow with the kids. Yeah. Another thing that's making you smile today. Because the sun is out, the dogs have been playing in the garden and my office looks out over the garden and I've watched them playing so nicely all morning. We've got two dogs. We've got a, we've got a, a six-month-old blonde Labrador and a Springer Spaniel who's four years old, oh. a boy and a girl, and they get on so well and they've been playing all morning and I just love watching them play. I really do. So another thing making me smile, and again, this is just before Christmas, is driving down through the Christmas lights. It's just so beautiful this time of year. Yeah. And I've had had reason to be out several evenings this week, and Christmas lights are just making me smile. Yeah, that's lovely. Last one. My last one has to be my wood burner. It has been on all day. <laughs> we have plenty of wood in the garden from trees that we took down. And I am so grateful to that wood burner at the minute because it is keeping the house so lovely and warm. Because it really, this morning, this may not be cold for you, but for this morning, for us, it was minus nine, which is quite cold for the UK. So, oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> I have to, I have to translate. <laughs> that's actually quite cold. So, uh, I too am being heated by wood. And this evening, they are coming to deliver. My son and his daughter and his wife use a, what's known as a pellet stove for this. And so I often struggle with what to get my kids for birthdays and Christmas. And being here, it was just the most exciting thing because I realized that they needed a whole pallet of pellets. <laughs> so this evening, they are the guys are coming with the whole pallet of pellets and With an early so Christmas I, present. And it's just a bit a bit early because it's you can't wrap a one ton mm. pallet of pellets. <laughs> so you, could a, you could put a ribbon on it. I'll stick a bow on top and, yeah. and my Christmas shopping for, for them is done, which is really super. Yeah. So it has been such an amazing conversation. Um I want to encourage our listeners to think hard about the place that sugar has in their lives. And having just mentioned grandkids, we need to make sure that our kids don't get raised over sugared as well. And so I encourage you to think about how you can do alternative treats and alternative fun things for them that don't require this overload of sugar. And even if you are sending them back to their parents and you aren't, you aren't going to have to deal with the sugar mania, um, <laughs> it's not really that good for them. So be the grandma that thinks carefully about how to make 
those snacks and treats healthy for your kids too. And feel free to reach out to Sue if you're wondering how to do that. And Sue, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Menopause has many annoying symptoms, but not many are worse than the lack of sleep. If you are one of the 90% of women who suffer from menopausal insomnia and or fatigue, I'd love to offer you my free download, Five Tips to Get Better Sleep Tonight. You can get it at menopausematterspodcast.com slash sleep. And let me know which of these tips works best for you.